The following audio is from the Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. Good morning, everybody. I hope you're doing well. I am so glad that you're here and uh, appreciate you being in person. Of course, there's a bunch of people that are watching online, so thanks for being here online as well. We are in a series called Discipleship, and uh, we're talking about discipleship. So last week, Evan did a great job of taking on part four, where he talked about James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word, and in doing so, deceive yourselves, but do what it says. And so really, this series is a progression that we've talked about from part one, which is an intro and kind of overview, to part two, we talked about surrender. Part three, we talked about having a regular reading plan, reading scripture, making the daily habit. And then, of course, last week, Evan's saying it's not just about reading scripture, but it's about doing what we're supposed to be doing. And so that was part four. Um, and again, if you miss any of those, you can watch those online. Uh, if you go to our website, you can go to our app and click on our media link and watch as well. Today, we're gonna be in 2 Corinthians chapter five. If you got a Bible with you, I would say again, I encourage you to be a, uh, bring a Bible, uh, be a note taker, paper doesn't forget, or your phone, if you're taking notes on there, doesn't forget, but you do. And so I encourage you to be a note taker and uh, we'll get into the, the verses here in a few moments. If I work at a gym and I end up doing a, some sort of school assembly to represent fitness, I'm gonna show up and I'm gonna talk about maybe nutrition and, and the power of sleep and the need for sleep and, and different movements and weight and things like that um, because that, that's what you know, would be expected of me. What I won't do is wear a tuxedo or like a scuba suit um, because uh, it doesn't help me display fitness. You tracking with me? Okay, it's too quiet in here. So you tracking with me? We good so far? Um, same is true. Let's say I'm a wedding coordinator. Um, anybody ever seen Father of the Bride? Okay, if I'm a wedding coordinator, honk or fronk or whatever. Um, but um, if I'm a wedding coordinator and I'm supposed to teach a course on planning a budget conscious wedding, not only will I dress appropriately, but I'm gonna talk about a photographer or where to get a great dress or tuxedo or you know a cake or whatever. Talk about you know the months leading up to a wedding. That's what's expected of me. Um, but what if I showed up at a, a course about weddings and I was wearing fly fishing gear, teaching about how to tie flies and where to find the best trout in the Pacific Northwest. Okay, you're like, yes, yeah. so the guys are like, yeah, let's do that. Okay, anyway, <laughs> you're missing the point, knock it off, okay? But the truth is anybody sitting in a class like that would, would at some point say, that's not why you're here, right? It makes sense. We know it, those examples are dumb, they're obvious, they're kind of absurd. And you're sitting here right now going, what in the world do wedding planners and fitness instructors have to do with faith? And, and let me put it this way. If you're invited to represent the wedding world at something, that's what you do. If you're invited to represent the fitness world, then go for it. But here's the thing you need to understand. You and I, if we say that we're disciples, are meant to represent Christ all the time. And yet, do we do that? Oftentimes, similar to, I'm supposed to teach about weddings and give you all this information about weddings and I show up and, and miss the entire deal. That's oftentimes what happens when we say verbally we're representatives of Christ, but we don't necessarily live it out and do what scripture says. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19, this is Paul writing. It's 2 Corinthians, and so it's the second book we have in Scripture to the church in Corinth. Um, but these are actually letters that Paul wrote to churches he cared deeply about. And in chapter 5, in verse 19, and I'm going to read the message version. I don't often um, use this version as the primary, but today I'm going to do that because I like how it said. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 19, God has given us the task of telling everyone what he's doing. 
We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He is already a friend with you. And so God, we pray together that you would help us understand. You would help us not only hear today, but walk out with a conviction of what it means to be a representative. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. So Paul opens up here, and again, he said a bunch of things already, but but at verse 19, it says this, God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. We're getting to a point in this series that I'm really excited about, but we're not there yet. And so today I'm I'm gonna leave you hanging a little bit intentionally, but... Paul is talking to all of us. When this letter is written to a church he cares about, you can fast forward a couple of thousand years and this applies to you and me. Paul says, God has given us, he's saying this to the church, he's given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. So the question for a moment becomes, why does Jesus Christ matter? Because in the world that you and I live in, there was a saying that went around a long time ago, don't ever talk about religion and politics. And we crossed those lines long ago, right? Okay, especially the politics one. In fact, let's talk about politics. Let's not, okay. But but we get this weird thing about like, well, I'm a spiritual person. Well, I'm a Christian. Well, I would say I'm a disciple of Jesus, but I don't talk about that. What What did Paul just say? God has given us a task of telling everyone what God is doing. And and so the question for you and I, why does Christ matter? Why does Jesus matter? And by the way, I'm gonna go back to what I said two weeks ago. I don't want this to be a golf clap church. I don't want this to be a quiet message. I encourage you to engage with me because not only does it help me, but maybe it'll help you. Why does Christ matter? Because you and I hold the answer to the brokenness of the world, the brokenness of the human condition. We have a relationship that changes everything. And that's a big deal for all of us. When it comes to this issue of darkness, we have light. When it comes to the issue of hopelessness, we have hope. When it comes to confusion, we have something sure. When it comes to the brokenness, we have the one who is whole. When it comes to turmoil, we have peace. And the list goes on and on and on. Why does this matter? Because if you say you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, then guess what? It means that, that, that you begin to understand some of these truths and they get implemented into your life. Just a few hours ago, I was on the phone with somebody in our church that lost their husband this morning. And in this conversation, it was something where it wasn't entirely a surprise. Uh, His health had been bad and we were praying for for God to do some some work. And on Friday, he got to go home, which seemed like good news. But then this morning, he passed away. So I made a phone call. I said, hey, I'm just checking in. Um, How are you doing? And, And the response was, you know what? I'm doing good. So you're doing good. Yeah. And in the conversation, she said, well, here's the thing. A couple of days ago when he got to come home, um, he was in pretty bad shape. And I was taking care of him and he had a hospital bed. She said, but this morning I heard him rustling around and so I went to check on him. And he called my name, but she said, said, but before that, um, for the last couple of days, he kept looking up and like he was looking into heaven. And he called my name and so I went to him and and, uh, I held his hand and he literally just passed away right there in that moment. This is is just a few hours ago. She said, but I have such a peace. And she said, you know, it's like the palpable presence of God is here. 
I don't know what it's like, and I can't even imagine that point that we get to cross the veil from here into eternity. But, but here's what I know. This is a woman who's been holding on to hope forever. This is a woman who leans into her faith because it matters in those moments. Paul said, it's not that you and I don't grieve, but we don't grieve like the rest of people that don't have hope. When we talk about why does Jesus Christ matter? Because for you and I that are disciples of Jesus, we believe we have a God who's bringing us an inheritance in eternity that we are waiting for on this side. And that's the best news ever, that for you and I to have peace, for you and I to be forgiven, for you and I to have life, because that's what Christ has come to bring to this world. That's why Paul says you and I are representatives of Jesus. We represent Christ to a world that doesn't yet know Jesus, that there's a place where there's such turmoil, there's such angst, there's such anger, there's such confusion. There's all these things going on in our world that you and I feel, but guess what? We have the lens of Christ to go, but I trust in him, but he is my hope, but he is my life, but he is my peace. She literally said there's a palpable presence of God that is bringing peace right now. And I said, listen, there's something about that. I'm not being preachy on the phone, but I said, there's something about the beauty of knowing that he has finally received his inheritance. The promise of being with Christ forever. And even the beauty of of, of him looking into the, and she said, I knew it was the end because it was like he was looking into heaven and Jesus was coming to get him. This is hours ago. And I can't help but go, this is why for for you and I, Christ matters. That when there's turmoil and all these other things, we have this hope we hold on to. Why wouldn't we want others to know it? And so Paul goes on to say, for you and I, we are Christ's representatives, ambassadors. Let me me go back to, if you're taking notes, you can write down Matthew chapter five. In Matthew chapter five, again, I'm gonna read the message version because I like how it's said, but Jesus says this, let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. Now that doesn't mean salty, okay? Some of you like dropping four letter words and being salty to your neighbors and things like that. That's not what that means. But it literally means that you and I add flavor to this world when you and I enter our workplaces, when you and I end up at a family gathering, when you and I are hanging out with our friends, we ought to be adding the type of flavor that people go, wow, when they're around, there's such a joy. Wow, when they're around, there's such a peace. Wow, when they're around, there's such a hope. Is anybody resonating with this? This is what we're called to be wherever we go, that we add flavor to the world around us that we add something that this world needs so desperately. Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be the salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and you end up in the garbage. What Jesus is saying when it's interpreted that way is this, for you and I, we add flavor. If we don't, then we're missing out on what God wants us to live by. And when he says you end up in the garbage, what he's saying is you'll end up falling prey to these worldly patterns. You'll live in worldliness. You won't be living as as flavor in the world. You'll be going right along with them. And you'll be living in the angst. You'll be living with the anger or the bitterness. You'll be living with the greed or thinking it's all about you and what you can eke out of this world for yourself and those around you. He goes on to say, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in this world. God is not a secret to be kept. 
We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, don't think I'm gonna hide you under a bucket. I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop or on a light stand, shine. Shine. Anybody been a follower of Christ for about 20 years or more? Anybody? Some of us. Anybody remember that old song, Shine? Make them wonder what you got. Make them wish that they were. I know it's old school. It's a throwback. But I love that song because there's something about this idea of are we shining? Are, are, are we showing people that the, the God colors this world? Are we showing people the God flavors of this world? He goes on to say, keep open house. Be generous with your lives by opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous father in heaven. Is your life an open house for others? I know you can go, well, I've been hurt. No, that's not me. I'm an introvert. I don't do that. And we can give all kinds of reasons why this doesn't apply to us, but Paul would say it applies to all of us. How in the world is anybody out there gonna see who Christ is except through how we live our lives, how we love others, how we put others first, how we serve the people around us better than anybody? Good, two people are with me. I'm gonna another layer of deodorant and you're still just chill. It echoes what Paul says, or better put, Paul echoes what Jesus said. When we go back to 2 Corinthians 5, God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. The New International Version, the translation of this word is actually this word, reconcilers. Or you and I are given the ministry of reconciliation. Do you do that? Do you help people see who Christ is? Do you, in those moments where you can talk about your faith with others, are you leading them towards a God who wants to forgive them of sin, a God who wants to bring them into a relationship with him? Are you leading people that direction or are you missing out on your opportunity? Paul says we're speaking for Christ himself now. And then he uses this this phrase, in other words, how we say it to others, Become friends with God because he's a friend with you. Paul is literally saying this applies to all of us. It's not only enough for you and I to go, wow, I sure appreciate who Jesus is. And I'm so glad I've received that. But what does it look like for me to be an ambassador, a representative? In in, in dictionary terms, Webster's Dictionary, that word ambassador is a delegate from one government to another representing the government they came from. For you and I, as an ambassador, we're we're representatives of the kingdom of heaven to a world that needs Christ. I've said before, we're not playing church games. I've said before, we're not here to check a box or, or, or make ourselves just feel good. My hope is that as we gather in moments like this, that we can be built up, we can be encouraged, we can discern better what our call is to live this thing out and go out into our world and shine that light. That's what we're called to do. Not just exist, not just go through the, not just get to heaven someday but actually live it out in a way that people go, what is that? 
What is it about you? There's a guy that's been around for decades named John Maxwell and he's taught on leadership forever. But years ago, and I never forgot it, when he said it this way, when he defined leadership, he literally said leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. Can I tell you something about leadership? Every single one of us has some level of leadership in somebody's life, which means you've been entrusted with influence. Are you leveraging that influence? Carrie Newhoff writes on leadership and ministry all the time, and I, I like to read and, and listen to some of his podcasts. But he says this, the influence you've been given is a trust. You're not, leverage, uh, you're not leveraging your influence for your sake, but for, sake, for the sake of a cause much bigger than yourself. Which is why it's so sad when those with influence squander trust or undermine influence. See, we all have influence. That's what a representative does. They influence others representing the kingdom they come from, the nation they represent. That, that's what we do. And so are you and I leveraging the influence we've been given? You, you, you think of, of what happens online in our world. If we were to go back and scroll through your social media feed from today, from last night, from yesterday, from Friday, Thursday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Monday, I just did the weeks backwards, by the way, so a little, little gift I've been given. But if I were to look at your social media feed, what does it look like? What does it represent? If I were to scroll through, would people go, this person really digs pictures of food? This person really digs cats. I'll just keep going for now. This person really digs pictures of themselves. How, how many of us are well aware of what a selfie is? Just raise your hand. You know that like 20 years ago, you'd have been like, what is that? It's a picture of yourself. And nobody used to take pictures of themselves very often. You used to take pictures of your surroundings, of people around you. But now we get out our phones and we're like. <laughs> oh, wait, they, they got to tuck the chin in and do the duck face. Right? <gasps> selfies. If we were to scroll through your social media, would it be full of selfies, pictures of you? If we were to scroll through your social media feed, how would you present yourself to the world that's looking? Do you look angry all the time? Do you post things that, 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 that are just wearing your emotions on your sleeve? That, that last week it was that business you went to and you weren't happy with what they did and what they said and you wanna make sure everybody knows about it and this week it's a new business? If people could see and put together, or we could put it on the screen, here's your last 10 posts on social media, your TikTok, great dance, good job. I know TikTok's more than that, but anyway. Can I just warn you, especially in social media world, but in general, think twice when you're emotional about something. Man, some of us, we just look angry all the time. What we post, complaining, griping, frustrated, nothing's good enough. Some of us, man, we're just, it's all politics. What do you represent in all those things you put out there? 
by the way, here's, here's a couple things just to be aware of when it comes to um, when we wear our emotions and how we treat, what we say, what we shouldn't say. But here's a principle that others need to know about you, but you need to know about others. If you'll say it about them to me, you'll likely say it to them about me. We had somebody who left our church a while ago and weren't super excited about it. We didn't quite understand what the deal was, but all of a sudden, a volunteer a while later comes to one of our staff members and says, oh, I just had an encounter with so-and-so at the store, and they just gave me an earful of, of you know, why they left and, and who they're mad at at the church. And, and it's one of those things where, especially in the world that we live in, I mean, that's going on all the time. I mean, the, these things are, are people willing to air all this stuff, but the danger is, and, and, and what can be tough is, it's sad when we're not surprised by that anymore. It's sad when it's like, well, I mean, that's just who people are anymore. But is that gracious and does it represent Christ? Is it helping move the kingdom forward? Or is it just airing all kinds of things that, that are, are honestly a black eye to the cause of Jesus? I mentioned it a little bit ago, but, but one of the dangers, don't make everything about you. I, I know, man, some of you guys have the most perfect life because you've got, you've got like shiplap and, and what, is it, what is the most, um, you've got, uh, it's not even granite's out of date now. If you've got granite, you're old news, okay? It's, uh, it's um, uh, what is the new countertops? Quartz, that's the word I was looking for. Some of you have quartz, way to go. I can't wait to see the pictures of your, the fresh baked cookies on your quartz kitchen counters with the shiplap in the background. Or is shiplap outdated now? If you have handles that aren't black, they're, they might be, now they're bronze or they're gold, that's the end thing. And you gotta post about that because we gotta know that it's all perfect. But, but we, I mean, we put all these posts out there and we wanna make sure people go, man, your life is amazing. Your life is, and we all know better. But that's what we put out there. Do you understand? And this is a basic principle. If you only make your life about yourself, you will only have yourself to show for yourself. Do I need to say that again? <laughs> if you make your life only about yourself, you will only have yourself to show for yourself. And that's not Jesus. That doesn't represent the kingdom of Christ. We've said before as a church, we don't exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. That we're not playing games. We're not circling the wagon. We're not making this about us and what's in it for me. We're looking through the lens of what does it mean to make a difference in the world that we live in. If you've been a part of the Grove Church for a few years now, you remember something called iHeart. It was an old fashioned ministry during the covered wagon days, two, three years ago. <laughs> now things change quick, right? But I love that we're sitting in a meeting this last week going, what does it look like to reinvent and bring back iHeart? Because we want to make sure that this world understands there's a God who loves them. And who can we serve? And how can we make this world better by taking on these serve projects coming up this summer? So yes, it's coming up again. Because it has everything to do with this isn't about us. This isn't about coming and feeling good and going and coming and feeling good and going and coming and feeling good. It's about being in an environment like this where we can hopefully be sharpened and challenged that we can go out and represent the way we're supposed to. Are you representing? And we're here at the end of the day to live generously towards others. Jesus talked about this when he said, the eye is the lamp of the body. He said, if the eyes are good, the whole body will be full of light. 
But when you study those verses, what he's saying is if the eyes are generous, looking for an opportunity to be a blessing. Looking for opportunity to put others first. Looking for an opportunity to advance the cause of someone else rather than my own agenda. We're called to live generously. This year, we're celebrating as a church our 90th anniversary. Yeah, as we get towards fall, we're celebrating a big birthday bash and all this stuff. It's gonna be fun. But here's the other part of, of celebrating. It's understanding we are stewards of the great commission in, in, in our time. And so we look at this and go, how do we make sure that we're making this about a world that, that needs Christ rather than just about us? So I've already begun to, and I'm doing this prayerfully with our team, but look at what does the next 10 years look like? As we look at 90 to 100, what does it look like for us to make the difference we're called to make? What does it look like to steward the gifts that God has given all of us? To steward the resources that God has entrusted to all of us? What does it look like to, to, to leverage putting others before ourselves? I mean, some of you guys drove in, uh, to the building and some of you guys have driven around going, why in the world is like, like a building got cut off and there's just a wall of, of you know, T111 with paint on it? Like what happened? Why does it look like this? And the truth is we're, we're preparing for an expansion. Part of our 90th anniversary is, yes, yeah, celebrating, but it's also going, how do we make room for others? How do we make space for others? Now, again, I know that I word things funny sometimes, but I put it this way. When we talk about expansion, it's very much not about we. Okay, so let me, let me I'm gonna read this a few times, and then you can wrap your head around it. It's not about we, but it's about the we that we care about that aren't we yet. Could I have said it worse? Is that? It's not about we. It's about the we that we care about that aren't we yet. And I couldn't think of a worse way to put it. And so I left it like that in my notes. I literally will type things and then go need to edit later and then come back to it. And I was looking at that one going, okay, how do I word this? I'm just going to leave it like that. I know it's confusing, but it's that whole idea of we don't exist for us. That if you and I are disciples, how do we represent God's love in Christ to a world that needs his love? What does it look like for us to do that? Yes, don't make it about us. Yes, don't live with our emotions on our sleeve, constantly living in a fence and, and, and putting out there whatever we want to because we don't care, but also living generously towards others. Disciples represent Christ. Everybody say disciples, disciples. Represent, represent Christ. That's what we're called to do all the time. It's not about us being perfect. It's not about us always getting it right. Yes, sometimes we blow it and we come back to it and go, God, forgive me because I messed up here. But we are called all the time, every waking moment to represent Christ to a world that needs the gospel of Jesus. Let, let me just give you a few questions that I want you to ask yourself. And I already said, I encourage you to take notes. And I would remind you and, and bring this challenge to you that if you're taking notes, I love that, but take about 15 minutes somewhere this week and go over your notes and ask these questions right where you're at, wherever that's happening. Here's some questions. Will doing this, and again, this is fill in the blank, whatever it might be, this. Will doing this help or hinder my ability to reflect Jesus? Fill in whatever this is. Will doing this help or hinder my ability to reflect Jesus? Question two. Is this revealing my trust or lack of trust in Jesus? Again, fill in whatever this is. Is this revealing my trust or lack of trust in Jesus? 
Question three. If everybody I was around at any given moment knew I called myself a Christian or a disciple of Jesus, who would be shocked and why? If everyone around me at any given moment knew that I called myself a Christian or a disciple of Jesus, who would be shocked and why? Which then leads to this last question. Where do I need to repent of my lack of representation of Jesus? See, in, in some ways in church world, the word repent seems to carry some weird connotation. Like this angry, you know, screaming that you need to repent. It's it, it, like a couple hundred years ago, Jonathan Edwards, sinners in the hands of an angry God kind of thing. But the word repent is really a beautiful picture. It means to literally turn 180 degrees from the direction you're going and go the opposite direction. That's the literal definition of repent. In a spiritual sense, it means if I'm going this way and that's not good, that I turn from that. And it takes the form of repentance, which means in the moment, God, I realize that I did not represent you well with that post yesterday. God, would you forgive me for that? I'm sorry that that doesn't represent you. God, help me to walk out what you want through your spirit in Jesus' name, amen. And I don't mean to oversimplify it, but it's that simple. I'm sorry, God. Help me, I maybe need to go back and delete a post. Maybe in the conversation you had with someone yesterday and it didn't go well or it wasn't what you wanted, it didn't represent Christ, you can go to that person and say, you know what? I didn't say that very good. Or what I said was terrible. The way I treated you isn't what I want, I'm sorry. I don't know what it is about us. Well, I do know. It's that human condition of stubborn. Anybody out there stubborn? Anyone? Okay. Yeah. Just, everybody just put your hand in the air real quick. Good. That's, that's what I thought. That's, yeah. Right. I mean, at some point, there's a, we, we all kind of struggle with this, make an apology. I, I don't know what it is, but, but in my own marriage, I find myself knowing I've blown it, knowing that the conversation didn't go well, knowing that all I need to do is apologize, and I don't want to. Anybody else struggle with that? Yeah. Okay, eight of us. <laughs> Where do I need to repent of my lack of representation of Jesus? The, the goal is that we constantly can remind ourselves, I am a reflection of Christ. And maybe you just switch around a couple of words there. Am I a reflection of Christ? We should, listen to this, we should be the most gracious and loving and passionate people on the planet. We should mo be the most gracious, loving, passionate people on the planet. That when we dismiss this gathering and we go out to the parking lot, it's hard to get out of the parking lot because you're letting everybody go before you. No, go ahead, no, you're fine, go ahead, no, no big deal. Rather than like, I'm trying to get to Noble Palace, you know, like, trying to get low on lunch. We should be the most gracious, loving, passionate people on the planet. It's like the joke, what is that insurance commercial at the four-way stop and everyone's like, no, no, you go, no, no, you go. No, you go ahead, go on, go ahead, right? What if our neighbors knew that they could count on us when they needed help? Would your neighbors be quicker to call their family that lives in another city 
or to show up at your door and go, could you help me? What if your coworkers knew they couldn't talk bad about another person at work because they know you just don't put up with it? Because that's not what you do. How could your family be transformed because you refuse to hold grudges, stay bitter, or write off the ones that annoy you? Again, you're a representative. Bring it back to Jesus. Aren't you glad Jesus doesn't write you off? Then what about those around you? Stepping on toes. What if your potential boyfriend or girlfriend knew that you wouldn't sleep together or move in together because you were waiting for the wedding first? What if you lived with such integrity and passion for Christ that others ran to you for advice? They knew they could trust what you have to say. They knew that you would pray. They knew that, that you might even challenge them to, to read some verses that you maybe were reading recently. What if people ran to you because they trusted? Here's somebody that give me wisdom. Here's somebody that'll give me perspective. Here's somebody that'll tell me the truth. We desperately need those kind of people in our lives. Are you that kind of person? Almost every week, I share my notes with the keyboard player behind me. <laughs> We're married. But when I do, she always gives me some perspective on my notes. And she said this, what if we be all, I'm just kind of reading, what if we all began to realize that we only have so much space in people's lives for influence? Are we making the most of that time or are we squandering it? And then she just began to talk about, like when your kids are on a sports team, you only have a certain window of time with that group of parents. Or if you're a student in college or maybe you're in high school, or even junior high in here, you're only gonna be with that group of, of, of kids in that English class for that semester. Or you only have this window of time with that group of people. Are you leveraging who you are in Christ. Same goes with those that live near you, those that you work with. I, I bring those examples up all the time. We only have so much time with certain people. Are we making the most of it? And she said this, and I love this. She said, am I the hardest worker because of Jesus? Am I the most loyal friend because of Jesus? Am I the best cheerleader of those around me because of Jesus? I'm a representative. Michelle Langstrad, who's a counselor and part of our church, put some stuff out on social media and I appreciate what she does, which looking for a follow, that's a really good one. But she said this the other day and I happened to catch it. Live in such a way that those who know you but don't know God will come to know God because they know you. Live in such a way that those who know you but don't know God will come to know God because they know you. 
the last verse I'm gonna reference today is 1 Corinthians 9, 19. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Is that your heart? Is that my heart? See, Paul was writing this letter. Like I said, this is 1 Corinthians. I mentioned 2 Corinthians and the other text we were looking at. These letters, he wrote them to a church. And, and part of the complaint in this conversation was that the church in Corinth in particular was kind of a party church. They were kind of swinging from the chandeliers church, getting drunk on communion church. That issues. When Paul is writing to them, one of the issues he faces is they were saying, I'm free. I'm no longer bound to this law. And he's referring to the old covenant law. I'm no longer bound to that. So what they were doing was, because I'm no longer bound to it, I'm free. I can do whatever I wanna do and I can repent of it because God's grace is enough. And as I repent of it and I'm allowing God's grace to fill me, it's revealing how big God's grace is. So, so isn't sinning a good thing because it's revealing God's grace? That was literally the argument. Not kidding you. It was literally what they were saying. And Paul's like, oh, whoa, you're missing it by a million miles. Yes, you're free in Christ. You're no longer bound to the law, but what you are bound to is understanding as he's saying, I, I am free and belong to no one, but I'm a slave to everyone that I might win them. In other words, use your freedom to serve one another in love, not indulge your flesh. That's part of understanding being a representative. Though I'm free, though you're free, you're not bound to this covenant law, old covenant law. He says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. What if that was our heart? What if that's where we camped out every day? What if we reminded ourselves 24 seven or at least every waking moment what does it look like for me to represent Christ in this situation? If you're a disciple of Christ, I would just ask, would you repeat after me? And I'm gonna end. I am a reflection of Jesus. Yes. 